0: motherfucking Halloween. It's the spookiest goddamn day of the goddamn year, and we're the spookiest goddamn boys on the fucking planet. Trick or treat. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Smell my feet. Get your fucking candy fix, and your crack cocaine fix, and whatever else, because chaos reigns today. Am I right, boys? <laughs> I guess. Welcome to the pod, people. Halloween Spooktacular Season Two. I'm the Hack a Lantern, Matisse Van Rossum.
1: <laughs> I'm the I'm the Treat Boy, Ben Sheets, and I'm the guest.
0: Monster <laughs> Deluxe. Oh, Cleveland, I thought you could do better than that.
1: You get the participation trophy One this time, but boy. <laughs>
0: That's Cleveland Mosier. Hello, it's me.
1: Silver Star, you tried. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's our favorite day of the year. It is Halloween. Well, I guess technically not when we're recording this. But when you're listening to this, it'll be Halloween. So...
1: Okay. No, we record on the same day we release. That's right, we
0: record and release on the same you day. You gotta keep up kayfabe. Because I I am a editing extraordinaire, and I can do that shit same day, no problem, you know?
1: We don't edit,
0: this is just how we talk, you know? Wait, this isn't live radio? <laughs> oh, fuck, we're streaming! Ah, <laughs> shit. And now a word from our sponsors. Have you ever had a problem with too many toes?
2: <laughs> well, try Dr. Framblitz Toe Away Cream. Get those extra toes out of here.
0: Thanks, Dr. Framblitz. No problem. Now I have a normal number of toes. Yep. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh Yeah, we're talking about Trick or Treat today. A very special, very fun uh Halloween spectacular film this was your first time seeing it cleveland correct it was it was this was my second time i think
1: i've seen it a bunch of times i uh, probably 4 or 5 times now like i i really like this movie i like so. this
0: movie a lot too and i think Same. i think it's uh it's a really good one for uh, a halloween episode because i think it really captures the spirit of Halloween and, like, watching scary movies around this time of year and really sort of paying homage to a lot of Halloween tropes and then also kind of turning them on their heads. It is uh, directed and written by Michael okay, who we've talked about on the show before, uh, who did Krampus. Why does he do exclusively seasonal-themed horror movies? I think it's a new thing for him. Before, he was mainly
1: just writing stuff. Like, I know he wrote X-Men 2, and I think X-Men Apocalypse, which oh, no. was one of the That's newer ones. That's a terrible ones. movie. Yeah.
0: I, didn't, I didn't know he wrote that. That's yeah. actually a huge shame. But I don't know what we're going to see from him next. He's done Halloween and Christmas... Is he gonna do the next big Thanksgiving horror movie or Mardi Gras horror movie?
2: I think it's gonna be a Valentine's
1: movie. (laughs) It's gonna be an Arbor Day horror movie. Love finds everyone.
0: (laughs) Earth Day horror movie. (laughs) We've been damaging the earth for years. So just And now Twenty twelve. The Earth damages us.
1: Al Gore is a serial killer.
0: Written and directed by Michael Doherty. But let's get back on topic. We're rambling a lot today. Trick or Treat is an anthology horror film, but kind of different from your run-of-the-mill, more traditional anthology-style film like Creepshow. Obviously heavily inspired by Creepshow and other such films, Tales from the Crypt and shit like that but it's, like, different stories are all connected and taking place at the same time, and they're all kind of set up individually at the beginning and then played out, you know, over the course of the movie. Well, it's it's
1: really well-written in how, like, usually with anthology movies, most of the stories are pretty standalone. And I would say, like... The core idea of every one of these stories is pretty standalone, but the details interconnect within them, which is really nicely done. And on top of that, like when the movie starts, it kind of intercuts between them, but when they're telling the main crux of each story, they let it have time to focus on each one, which I think is really
0: nice. Mm Mm-hmm. It also allows them to transition between them seamlessly uh, which is another thing that I really appreciate It's not like your standard anthology where you've got like a framing narrative and each of the standalone stories are being told within the framing narrative yeah. you know they have a, a hard beginning and a hard end and in this one it's. They still have yeah. a framing
1: narrative.
0: I, yeah, they definitely still have a framing narrative, but like they transition between the stories so smoothly that it's not immediately apparent that they've finished with one and are moving into another. There's kind of like a transition. I think yeah. that works really well. It makes the whole film seem really cohesive.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. When well, we first sat down uh, and y'all told me it was going to be an anthology film, I was expecting something pretty segmented, for sure. I was pl- very pleasantly surprised by yeah. how everything was netted together.
1: Yeah, well, and the the framing narrative it uses, the uh, trick-or-treat boy that is on the cover and stuff. He, yeah, does he have
2: an iconic name?
1: I don't know the treat boy. Treat boy. <laughs> treat boy was <works> for me. <laughs> yeah, um, he appears throughout the movie, and he's almost like a signature mascot. Yeah, he's like the in puppet a way. master. You you, you see know, him sort of like, overseeing
2: every one of the right. events. Right. It's a it's he, a he cool shows way to him. tie
1: everything together. I think yeah. uh, without feeling too hackneyed. Yeah, which is um, good. If
2: he'd just been like the 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 core, like the the key monster for for every story, which is what I was expecting. Um, I think it it would have
0: suffered. oh yeah then it would have then it would have just felt weird and needlessly episodic yeah uh, for a movie with one central mm-hmm. villain and so it's not mm-hmm. but he does like you said Puppet he's kind master. of yeah he's kind of overseeing the whole thing he shows up in each one of the stories yeah which
2: is absolutely the right way to do it i mean this <laughs> this film definitely um set me up with low expectations going in i was you know critiquing it pretty heavily at the
1: beginning i think they do a really good job of setting up the idea of horror traditions right from the beginning right because the first thing you see is this couple and they're coming back from a halloween parade yeah and uh she the the woman in the relationship wants to uh, blow out the jack o' lantern and take out down all the Halloween. Yeah, the wife wants to take uh, down the Halloween decorations the night of while yeah, kids are if, still out and about trick or treating because
2: yeah, yeah, her mother's yeah. coming in the next day yeah. and would wouldn't be pleased even though she's an adult.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like while the guy is like, it's tradition. It's bad luck to you know blow out the jack o' lantern and. Uh, do all that stuff. And then the wife's and, like, but I'm in a horror movie, so I need to break tradition so I can die. Well, that's the thing. You know, like, throughout the whole movie, it sets up this idea of both tradition in a sense of holiday traditions and what that means, as well as traditions in the sense of horror movies. Horror tropes. Yeah, yeah and right. and, tropes. and then subverting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You know, I think the treat boy character kind of plays a good symbol throughout the movie of horror tradition um, because we kind of see him every time something takes a hard left turn. Mm -hmm. And they're good turns. Yeah, and this movie does an incredible job of baiting and switching you. And I think part of the reason that happens is because they do such a good job setting up expectations of following tradition. um, Because the first kill... To set set up the movie, you know, the beginning of the framing device is somewhat tropey in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, you yeah know, definitely. You know, it sets up, you know, the idea of uh by blowing out this jacket lantern she breaks tradition and she has to die for it, essentially. you can't, right. you can't blow out those jack-o'-lanterns,
0: and, and and even, <laughs> and, and even that like whole first build-up to is approached very uh, tropey. You know, you get the you get the POV of uh, Treat Boy, you know, as he's like zeroing in on her. You have. Uh, her getting startled by bumping into her, like, Halloween decorations, like the dangling limbs mm-hmm. and stuff. You have her pulling the the sheets off of all, like, the, the scarecrows. So it's like, oh, well, she's going to pull it off and there's going to be somebody under there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... Cut away to the husband. Yeah, cut away to the husband who just falls asleep watching a, a porno VHS. <laughs> um, like immediately, because not that much time could have passed. Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, he just put on a horror, like, or he
2: put on a a porn, a porno and then just passed out immediately? Like, well, yeah, I know. In love- his clothes. Still clothed.
0: And I, I love at one point, like, he wakes up and he, like, sits up and looks at the porn and sees that it's still on. And he just, like, smiles and lays back down. <laughs> just checking. It's like, I, I have to fall asleep to the comforting sounds of hardcore sex. Yeah. Because it um, kind of,
2: like they immediately, like the The film, like it's like probably like the the four like the the eighth shot in the in cut is him looking at his wife's ass and being like, "Hey, you want to bang?" And then she's like, "No, I, I have to, to like make down my the mom Halloween happy." Direction.
0: Yeah, <laughs> decorations.
2: <and laughs> so, like, I, I guess I guess that the husband is that's that's his his archetype is he's sexually obsessed. And right. It's weird. It's just a weird interaction, like with this character.
0: Yeah, but it, it is also very tropey.
2: You know, oh, extremely, yeah, yeah. So it's it's setting well, like up all being, this him stuff. Him being Glechi is yeah, as troping as it gets, but like just the, the, I'm just talking about specifically him running the porno and falling asleep in his right. clothes in his bed and then waking back up after 15 minutes, checking that it's still going, smiling and going like back, going to, back sleep, to sleep, still clothed, while his wife is taking down Halloween decorations. Like
1: Yeah. I, I love it only because he said he was going to help take down decorations, and then he just falls asleep yeah. watching a porno. Yeah. Which they do
2: make it clear that, like, he does seem to evade tasks, because she makes a reference to him, like, playing games, all like, video games all the time. Yeah.
0: Right. I, I was gonna say, like, a further uh, subversion of that first kill trope is that you expect... The the treat boy to be under one of the the sheets, but then he's in the box where she's putting all of the Halloween decorations, which I also really love. And then it sort of expands from there and uh, gets into setting up the, uh, I guess, four main? uh, Yeah, the through line. Yeah, the four, the four main uh, stories, you know, you have the setup of, like, the, the, like, college-age girls going to a party with, like, Anna Paquin. Uh, you have the kids walking around collecting jack-o'-lanterns, the principal, and then uh, Brian Cox, the curmudgeony old neighbor. And it sets all of them up early on. But then each one of them is its own self-contained story, which yeah. I which I like a lot because mm-hmm. that way when it transitions into other ones, it's like, oh, these are people that I've seen before. I know who these people are. It's not like who the fuck are these people all of a sudden, yeah. you
2: know? And and there's enough like uh, action at the beginning of of each of the sequences too that the the pacing. It never really leaves you want for more. It the, the chronology is good, the pacing is good.
1: Well, I like the first uh, shot that we get right after the opening credits is uh, the fat kid dragging his uh, bag of uh, candy through the mud, yeah, essentially. A little, little stereotype, as it's a big white pillowcase just yeah. like covered in mud yeah. on the knocking bottom. hallow. Like yeah, just jack-o-lanterns knocking off, off jack o lanterns, yeah.
0: being a little a little shit. Yeah. He's got chocolate smeared across his mouth he's very uh augustus gloop yeah he's (laughs) every 80s fat kid archetype right and they're immediately setting him up to be a little shithead so you're not gonna care when he dies a few (laughs) minutes later for a lot of these like slasher movies like that
2: that trope kind of tends to rub me the wrong way i like actually being afraid uh, in a lot of contexts, but but here it was very welcome. The, the film is very self aware and yeah, it's, it's it's laughing with you uh, exactly it, al- always, yeah. and it's, I appreciated it. It's
0: it's very it's very mm. tongue in cheek. But at the beginning, I didn't like when
2: they were setting that up with the fat kid. I was I was still. You know, dipping my toes into this movie, the water of this movie. Well, I think I I, I was a little like, oh yeah, they're setting me up. I'm not going to care. Yeah, no, you You kept
1: thinking about the logic of the movie. You kept pointing uh, that shit out.
2: Yeah, Uh, I mean, like it's it's a it's called trick or treat, and it's a horror movie. Like I don't, I wasn't getting like that deep into it, but like just like basic stuff. Like okay, why why is the porch dark? Why are they like just carving the pumpkin when kids are already out and about for Halloween? There was, you know, just a few, like, little things. I was just, I was being nitpicky.
0: That's that's why I, I think that this movie so well captures, like, the the spirit of the Halloween season, too. Because, like, Halloween is about fun mm-hmm. and also, you know, being able to be scared. You know, you yeah. go to haunted houses, you watch scary movies, you know. It, it's the time of year that we all kind of want to have fun being scared. Oh, yeah. And, and Although for us, that's, like, all the time. Most definitely. Uh, <laughs> and
2: and in defense too of uh, uh of, of both the movie and uh, your point to your making just a second ago, Ben, uh like the the film's core focus is on uh you know, repeating traditions and horror movie tropes, uh and that self-awareness becomes you know, very very Right. Well line.
0: it is it like I was saying, it is also like about having yeah. fun. Yes. You know, it's it is yeah. it's a very fun yeah. horror movie. At its it does, yes.
2: And they made yeah, they made really good calls uh to to set me up to be sort of cynical. And and also one of the the biggest tropes or traditions you can have in any of these sorts of slasher Halloween movies is that they don't apply logic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well and the thing is like the nice thing about the self awareness of this movie is it's not like overly wink wink nudge nudge no, tongue in cheek. Yeah. It's more in it doesn't the spirit. It's more done in the spirit of fun, right? Mm-hmm. Than mm-hmm. anything you know. And this is a short movie. This is only like eighty minutes long. Yeah. So it doesn't have any time to overstay its welcome at any point either, which is really nice. And it
0: does a really good job of like fitting four complete short stories into 80 minutes Mm -hmm. you know and and not and giving them all the time that they need and none of them feeling rushed or overdone whereas like with a lot of anthology movies there's generally, like, one that is really standout. I think of something like fucking VHS 2, which overall is not a great movie, but has one really good segment Mm -hmm. that is given the most amount of time and is the standout of the film, where all of the ones in, in this movie are treated equally and, I think, equally well done. Yeah. There's there's nothing that I think is uh, particularly much higher quality above any of the others. Yeah, it's uh,
2: uh, anthologies are, are are very often um, utilized, I think, yeah, as a, as an excuse for poor writing because. It only lasts for such a short the right. one. Each each segmented art well, only lasts for such a short span of time that if it's bad, the next one cues
1: up. It's easy for yeah, an anthology to be in, inconsistent because they are so disparate. Mm-hmm. And a, um, and a lot
0: of anthologies have different writers and directors for each segment. Not true. not all of them, but VHS is one of those. Grindhouse, or, et cetera, you know, yeah. Grindhouse or like the ABCs of Death. Uh, you know, so it can be really really spotty and inconsistent. But not in this case. But. Not In this case, because it's all done by the same group of people. Well, and I think (laughs) it's
1: partially because they're so interconnected, too, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think because of that, like it ties it all together in a really nice bow.
0: They they all exist in the same universe and they're taking place simultaneously. Yeah, as a
1: viewer, you 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 feel like
2: you're going from house to house and you're trick or treating with the characters. Yeah, you know, and you're kind of bumping into the same people from your neighborhood. And no, it does a great job of of putting you into the film uh, for you know uh, the core themes of the holiday.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do y'all want to talk a little bit specifically about each uh, one of the the stories? Yeah, so yeah, rundown.
1: we got the beginning framing out of the way. We mm-hmm. don't have to talk about that anymore, really. But let's start with the first one, with uh, the creepy Dylan Baker dad character. Yeah. Um, Dylan Baker is low-key one of my favorite character actors. And he doesn't ever, like outshine any main actors but as like characters he does such a good job such a great mark in a character actor for sure yeah uh
2: yeah when when he was first introduced and he gives hawaii's cue that he is like a a spooky you know killer um a psycho yeah principle uh i i think at that point, I had very low expectations because the opener, you know, kind of sets you up to have that. Um, this film played me very well, like, uh, for sure. I, I definitely hit all the marks that they wanted me to hit as a viewer. Uh, and it had me saying, oh, man, you know, like, he's he's really wasted on this film. And I ended up eating my words, like, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, he's uh, fantastic. He's
2: just the first good thing in the movie for me.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he's 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 definitely uh, an early indication of quality. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, his said. his his first line. Uh, when the the fat kid is, like, taking all of the candy that he's left out on the porch <laughs> his first line, something like, now that can't be good for your diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, you know, and then he poisons the, he gives the, the fat kid poison candy and he vomits up blood and chocolate all over the steps. Yeah, it's all gross and gurgly and... Yeah, the man, the sound design in this movie is really good. Yeah. Uh, just, like, continually throughout. The The way that progresses from there and the way they're revealing new information and the little clever things they do, like having him bring him into the house and then immediately some kids show up and knock on the door and he answers the door and he's got like blood all over him and he's like trying to calm them down when they're screaming and they're just like, oh, great costume, Principal Wilkins. (laughs) And he's like, oh, yeah, sure is costume. (laughs) (laughs) And then when he's, you know, he's got the hole dug in the backyard, and he's like yeah. burying the body, and then his kid starts yelling out the window at him. Yeah. And like to be clear,
2: too, like the oh nice costume, uh, you know, to the the person who's actually a spooky monster is is super done. But again, credit to the film, like it it even though it's troping, it's been done hundreds of times. Like the the ex the execution was great. It still nice. made us laugh.
1: Yeah. Um. Well. And. The other thing is, it still wraps around this idea of tradition. Um, you know, when they first scream, you think, oh, they they know he's crazy or something, and then they play, you know, it's just tradition of Halloween, you know? You're expected to have spooky things out right. and about. you're expected
0: to be scared. Um,
1: the other thing I like is, he poisons this kid and drags him to his backyard to put him in this big hole that he dug. But in the hole, there's already a body another body. There. Yeah. So it plays into this idea of tradition in either that he does it to multiple kids every year or like it's an every year thing. Mm-hmm. And even I mean, that was just last week. And yeah, even when he's talking Or that night. Uh he uh, keeps getting interrupted by his kid in God. the window, so <laughs> which is so
0: funny because you don't expect that like mm-hmm. this killer would like have a young child. So like the first time his his son like starts yelling at him out the window, like "Can we carve jack o' lanterns now?" Yeah. He's like, "Go inside and watch Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's an asshole." <laughs> you know, and you know like,
2: they they, uh, they almost like for casting the that kid, they they almost certainly had a lineup and i can just see the whoever was in charge of cast and just being like this kid like his he's so expressive he's got a really wide mouth and like the curly red hair yeah like they got
0: like perfect pick they got like the most adorable charming child they could yeah. find yeah
2: it's snarky too like right he's good
0: and charismatic and he's just like the the perfect foil to the the principal yeah. um you know, because yeah. he seems really like cherubic and sweet and innocent. Meanwhile, his dad is like burying bodies in the backyard. But then they end up subver- subverting that as well. Um, uh, they while
1: well, while they were talking to the kid be- over through the window, Dylan Baker's character offhandedly mentioned about the tradition he had with his grandpa. So, like, it plays into this idea that this has been done. Yeah, this is multi-generational. Yeah, this is a family ordeal, you Mm. know? And I really like how they set that up subtly. Yeah, it's true. Right. And and, and during that same time,
2: like, the reason it's subtle is that they're, they're much more directly implying that the kid is pissing off the dad, and he's kind of holding the knife behind him, and he's like, yeah! we'll carve up that pumpkin and like you, you get the vibe that he wants to kill his kid
0: yeah he's like yeah let's go down we'll go down into the basement mm-hmm. and he, yeah like you said he has the knife behind his back and the kid gets down to the basement he's like let's carve a scary face this year mm-hmm. and you know you have him behind the kid like yeah. raising the knife and like the camera pans up so you can't see the kid and you know he brings the knife down and there's this really gross sound and you're like oh no he yeah. and blood the- spatters yeah. up the side. So, yeah. so I'm
2: thinking like oh you know I guess they, they didn't want to do anything you know
1: get a shot fancy. of the knife with the blood on yeah, it that's and what yeah, and like... on,
2: it's on his face and uh, yeah i i was i was about ready to check out of the movie at this point like i was i was like all right it's been tropey they just like they just killed the kid there's nothing nothing fancy here because that's all it could be and then the camera pans out
0: and there's the the fat kid's head on a on a lazy Susan on the table and they're and he and the kid are like spinning it around together. So and then that also implies that this is a tradition that they both do every year, because the kid says, Let's make a scary face this year. Yeah. So continuing on that tradition, he's training his, his little boy to be a psycho as well. Uh which is you know one of the first times that they really dramatically subvert your expectation a turn, yeah. like a really dramatic left turn and then they keep doing that throughout the yeah. rest of the movie by by the end of that first uh little standalone story i think you're meant to have a pretty good idea of what the rest yeah. of the movie's going to be it yeah. it's sort of like you said it it sets you up to think that it's going to be one thing but then by the end of that it's like okay they're taking this yeah. in a in a much different direction
1: that story is honestly my personal favorite of the bunch uh just because I think it's so excellent uh, excellently executed especially with how good of an actor Dylan Baker is yeah and how uh when he's burying the kid like he gets keeps getting interrupted between uh his kid in the window and Brian Cox uh next door oh yeah uh who, uh, Smells who's, like a whore out here. Yeah. Uh, what he, are you
0: doing down there, Wilkins? Hiding bodies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so it does such a good job of setting up this idea of tradition, mm-hmm. and it like it is just really well executed, and it doesn't overplay its hand or overstay yeah. its well. I think it,
0: I think it might be my personal favorite as well. Um, but like I said before, it's not particularly because the others are poorly executed or not as good that one's just you know i think it's my favorite and
2: i suppose since that isn't necessarily the the culmination of that that segment there there is more to do with his character
0: oh yeah sure
2: and, and that and and if you include how that continues to progress then i would agree as well like i think yeah I think his, Brian Cox's arc. I mean not Brian Cox's Cox um uh, Dylan Baker. Yeah, Dylan Baker's arc is yeah, probably my favorite as a character.
0: Right. I mean, yeah, we we do see him again later and his storyline concludes uh in the third one. But it is still somewhat standalone in the sense that, like, that's the only one that's like about him specifically, yeah. and it is, you know, it does have a uh, a beginning and an end on its own. Yeah. Um, but that's just, you know, like, credit. Yeah,
2: like really, essentially, like this this film isn't necessarily an anthology. It it primes you to think that the Divergent plot lines will will stay divergent, and then it they they actually do coalesce. I,
1: I would say it's an anthology. I mean, each story, like at its core stands alone yeah. like the details in them are interconnected and they live in the same world and they do a great job of making them
2: live but, in the same world, but like so, like all of the arcs, like do you know correlate at the end
0: well, you, for sure. But you could you could cut each one out separately and watch it by itself, and it oh, would sure. st- and it would still make sense. So in that sense, it, it like I definitely think that it is an anthology, uh, but by having them all interconnected and take place in the same world, it avoids that. That spottiness and that inconsistency, and that ultimately, the whole film feels naturally cohesive. It
1: does a great job of world building too, without just giving info dumps or explanations. The
2: the exposition is good. Like the the bus driver sequence is, you know, like doesn't overstay its welcome.
1: Yeah, well, let's go into that a little bit bit more. That's the second one. Yeah. uh, So the next story covers three of the trick-or-treaters that showed up at the house uh, where Dylan Baker entered the door mm-hmm. and they screamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ask uh, Dylan Baker if they can uh, take one of the jack-o'-lanterns for a UNICEF charity a, a
0: UNICEF scavenger hunt. They have to collect jack-o'-lanterns, or so they claim. But it's it's then revealed that later on... They're going to the old abandoned quarry, which is another very tropey mm-hmm. thing, um, to offer the the jack o' lanterns as like a sacrifice to uh, the eight children who died there in the the uh, school bus massacre, mm-hmm. um, which is you know once again a, a very tropey setup that they don't end up. Concluding in in that same manner, along the way they pick up this other girl who, uh, as they describe her, is uh, an idiot savant. Because mm-hmm. I guess because she carves jack o' lanterns real good. I I don't and know. She has she no social
1: f- skills. And she
0: has no social skills. She has no
2: social skills, but she knows facts.
0: Yes. She has read Wikipedia,
2: which by all writer's tropes means she's intelligent. (laughs) Right.
0: It then, you know, it turns out that their plan all along was to, like, play an elaborate prank on her and, you know, scare her into thinking that, like, the the ghosts of the dead kids have, like, come back.
1: Yeah, and so they go down to the quarry, in the quarry, where the bus has crashed, and... The elevator going down can only take three people at a time. Well, it can take more than that. It's that the 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 girl was jealous.
0: Well, she's jealous because the guy she likes is flirting with the other girl. But also, they have to leave the other girl up at the top of the quarry, so they have time to, to get set it, everything to, to set up. up the the prank at right. the bottom. Okay, so it
2: could only take three, but she just made it them.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they set up this fairly elaborate prank, and pretty well done prank like at first you're not sure if it's a prank or not when she first sees all the the zombie the zombie children, stuff yeah. and you know like the small kid uh, he's like getting his intestines ripped out it's a lot of effort put into a prank it's a studio to the amount point, of effort to the like
0: middle schoolers yeah, yeah to the
1: point where you don't know
0: right off the bat that it's a prank Right. Which it then subverts your expectation after like the g- the girl trips and falls and like hits her head on a rock, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other kids are like, oh, shit, like, did we take this too far? You know, and then they reveal themselves as, you know, being tricksters. And at that point, it kind of sets you up to think like, oh, maybe they accidentally killed her and now like her spirit is going to take vengeance yeah, on or them or whatever, which is something that has been done in a lot of horror films you know, very trope. But then it turns out there actually are zombie children from the bus crash <laughs> which then come out and kill all of them. Which one of the
2: reasons I I absolutely loved that in the background of one of the scenes you see Scooby Doo Zombie Island playing. Because that was the first Scooby Doo like storyline that had actual monsters in it, right? And subverted those expectations. Well, that's
0: that's later yeah. on in the movie when in the fourth one when Brian mm-hmm. Cox is watching TV yeah. and he's flipping through. Yeah, yeah but that's but the the
2: zombies being real is a direct you know like
0: yeah exactly. Yeah. They they do a lot of nice little nods to like halloween culture yeah they pay
2: tribute very nicely they they definitely like display that they are they are showing homage like to wishbone footnote on that and it's definitely a love letter to
1: halloween yeah
0: Yeah. it's like i i really enjoy the halloween season i'm gonna make something that perfectly encapsulates it. Which, for you know? me, was
1: very satisfying
2: after, you know, the last the last movie I watched with you guys was The Fucking Nun,
0: and... <laughs> yeah, you weren't you know, here for Halloween 2018. Yeah, so sorry. Lo Ciento, boys. But, uh, uh, you know, The, the Nun well, was just so... You missed out. That was a good movie. I know,
2: I know. Yeah. I'll have to check it out, catch it out on my own time at some point. But my point with yeah. the, the, the the Nun just rips from uh, films, other, you know, greater works, uh consistently and they never pay tribute
0: right it's this... not it's not homage it ends up being like imitation yeah well i mean to the point of like self-parody yeah. you know <laughs> like whereas this film like is a just textbook perfect
2: way to, to display homage yeah. like very very pleased with this movie on that front
0: and so the the one girl who uh uh, was the one who's pranked she runs into the elevator and decides to not save the other kids either as vengeance for them playing a prank on her or she doesn't know if this might just be a continuation of the prank which i think is is also a fun dynamic because like the the one boy is like this isn't part of the prank like this is real like let us in and she just goes back up because like she she's just been pranked horribly, mm-hmm. so she doesn't know if the joke is still on her or what. And there's also that implication that
2: because the children, the zombie children on the bus were all, um, you know, handicapped to some degree, and that she's sort of they imply that she's like probably like in the special class and not that like she's sort of on like, the
0: spectrum or something. Spec- yeah, yeah, like yeah. she
2: she is tied to them in some way. Like, Has
0: a sense of kinship with yeah. them. Yeah. And yeah. she
2: was sp- she was like spouting like fa- general facts about Halloween. Like I almost got a vibe that she was a part of that to some degree. I, I
1: don't she know, was sure. very into Halloween. Yeah.
2: Well, right. Uh, and she
0: talks about how like the original pagan tradition of Halloween and human sacrifice and stuff. So yeah, maybe maybe leaving the kids there to die, uh, was for her, you know, making a sacrifice on All Hallows Eve or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, there's, it's, it's layered, you know, there's, there's so much yeah, that you good. can pack into, you know, such, a a little moment, you know, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's just good writing. Oh, yeah. um, the film's dense. It like, is, yeah, which is for, for, for yeah for being fucking eighty minutes long, like yeah. and trophy as hell, like it's very good. Yeah, without without having too much packed into such a short amount of time. All right, well, let's move on to the third one, uh, which revolves around Anna Paquin and her friends. Uh, back to know, the Paquin. Back. God damn. Y'all probably can't hear these people running around upstairs, but it's fucking obnoxious as shit. Yeah, it's like this is a WWE match, like, going on above us right now. I'm gonna go up and RKO somebody here in a minute. <laughs> um... But, yeah, so Anna Paquin and her friends, they're, you know, we see them early on uh, in the movie getting into their costumes. Anna Paquin is dressed like Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, you know, they're going to... All the
2: girls are dressed as Disney princesses. Yeah,
0: yeah. they're they're going to this Halloween party, and... Uh, they're, they're like, picking up dates along the way, which is funny and l- it, it's kind of confusing at first because, like, these are all your standard, like, super sexy, slutty college girls that you'd see in a Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. But the dudes they're picking up as their dates are all, like, schlubby and, yeah. like, nerdy and stuff like that.
2: Um, Which again, pretty standard fare, and I was definitely keying into the the facts like that they were just telling me, oh, yep, yeah, they're they're slutty, they're so they have to die, you know, like you're you're yeah, well, you know, and like,
1: and Anna, Anna Paquin is uh set up as like the virgin character, mm-hmm. right? Like the- her uh, Red Riding Hood costume is pretty reserved and...
0: Modest and compared modest. to the other girls. Botanical, um, yeah. Michael, yeah. Um, and, yeah, they're, and all of her friends are, like, pressuring her and, like... Like, you have to get laid at some you're point. You're 22. You're How, 22 you're and you're yet. a virgin. Like, you gotta do blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, I always imagined my first time being special. You know, all of this, like, super tropey nonsense. Well, looking back
1: on it, one of the things I like about that stuff is oh, yeah. they call her a virgin, but... They never, they never say specifically getting laid. They, yeah, and that's I think true. the reason is, it's, oh, yeah. it's a virgin to the tradition of mm-hmm. what they do, of what they're
0: doing. Yeah, no, I you're right. They do. They never uh, specifically refer to, but it sex. does play
1: into that trope a hundred percent.
0: Well, right, because you know they are they are set up as like the the traditional immoral teenagers or college kids who are you know just debauched you know so of course they have to die as punishment you know
1: and it plays it up with you know them finding all these schlubby dudes to pick up too Mm -hmm.
0: right i but but it, it does like leave you sort of questioning like what the fuck is going on like these girls could you know be hooking up with anybody like why are they why are they all picking up these like sort of schlubby weirdos um But that all culminates really nicely. They also set up early on that there's like a vampire out and about. Uh, We see him uh, kill this one girl, you know, but he's got a mask on and we see his fangs and shit. And so later on Anna Paquin is walking through the woods on her way to this party in her fucking Red Riding Hood gear, you Mm -hmm. know, so. And she's accosted by the vampire and we see him and bite her and she screams and then it cuts to like the party where they're all just like in the woods you know presumably getting drunk they have a bonfire or whatever and a body falls from the trees that is wearing the red riding hood outfit so we assume it's anna paquin until they go over and turn it over and it's the vampire guy in the red riding hood Cloak. Yeah, I like how Which they like set because up... it, it.
2: I was thinking about it at first, and I thought, oh, you know, they're, they're just doing it as like a, a trick to the audience. It doesn't really make any sense, but it does. Like Anna Paquin's character, she's pranking her friends.
1: There with that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they they do a good job of setting up the quote unquote vampire character mm-hmm. because you get one disparate scene earlier where uh, he kills this woman at a halloween parade yeah in the, in the, halloween in the back parade.
0: alley it is it is very disparate it feels super out of place mm-hmm. it's like what the what what the fuck but then once again it concludes very neatly um a yeah, nice little bow yeah well and then once they roll him over and see that it's that dude you know they anna paquin you know comes out of the shadows but nobody seems like freaked out or anything yeah so that's your another indication that there's something weird going on Mm And then they take off his mask, and it's Dylan Prin- Baker, It's old principal dad, <laughs> wearing fake vampire fangs. Which
2: uh, note on that, I I really appreciated because uh, during the sh- like the the shouting conversation he has with his son uh, in the first arc, one of the things his son he says to his son or his son says, "Can we go to the parade later, Dad?" And he says, "No, I'm go- you know I'm I have a date. I have a date. Yeah." And and so they 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 cue that up in that conversation too, like that conversation queues up like half the movie yeah it does yeah. uh and uh i i really enjoyed that that the e- even though the son is also like the little kid is also a killer the dad wanted just like have his own me time and get some kills in on his own
0: yeah exactly like, he wants to go out and cosplay vampire on halloween yeah. you know <laughs> and, and kill people yeah. um but then all of the girls at the party start like Well, then we pan out, and we see that there's... Well, before that,
2: they unmask him, but they also reveal that he is not a vampire. Right, well, yeah, yeah, that's why I said they they take his
0: his fake fangs out. And then they, like, pan out, and we see, like, the whole party, and we see that there's, like, a bunch of dead bodies lying around. (laughs) All the nerds. All the nerds, Mm -hmm. you know, all the schlubs that they've brought, and... The girls all start, like, taking off their clothes and stuff, and we see that they have vampire fangs, and it's like, oh, they're the real vampires all along, but then it goes even farther, (laughs) and once they're naked, they start ripping their skin off. Which Well done too yeah. Oh my god Well I mean It's Michael Doherty Similarly to Krampus There's a lot of Really fucking good Practical effects In this movie Which I was so not expecting I was I, I saw the budget
2: For this movie Or I saw how budgeted The movie was And I was like Okay it's gonna be Some CG shots It's not gonna be there's, Anything there's that a little There's a
0: tiny bit Of it's CG here yeah. yeah There's a tiny bit Of CG here and there But it's mostly practical And yeah. the CG is I well done S-
1: pl- Surprised When it does appear Oh yeah well,
0: it's it's subtle it's yeah it does what it needs to do and it's not overused Mm -hmm. they they still choose to rely most heavily on practicals it's blended in with practicals too so it doesn't feel out of place and i i think that whole scene where they're like ripping off their skin and revealing themselves to be werewolves which was great considering the little red riding hood Mm -hmm. uh thing beforehand yeah um I I think that the the first little story with Dylan Baker is my is my favorite story of them all but I think that scene of them transforming it's in, my the, favorite moment. in the woods is my favorite scene of the yeah. movie. And and again, like that was
2: my footnote from earlier, too, because that is where Dylan Baker's plot line Concludes, comes to a very yeah. literal yeah. end. And so counting that into the first plot line as well, I think. Yeah,
1: it's it's fantastic. Yeah,
0: but it's like it's uh I would say the scene that veers most into like legitimate horror, I think, with them like pulling their fucking skin off and shit. Like, it it looks really good, and it's gross and, like, visceral and kind of scary, I think. It's maybe the least tongue-in-cheek moment in the movie.
2: I don't know. I, I think that uh, the the Brian Cox stuff at the end is... We'll, we'll come back to that, but I, I think it's a little bit more um, genuine in its delivery. Like, I mean, it's, it's so over-the-top with him ripping her skin off and stuff that, like, I, I was never, like... Afraid or concerned, you know, like it's. I was grossed out it's a, though. Yeah, like it, it's, it's a celebration of horror, but like they've already killed everybody for the most part. It has like, a it's more yucko effect. Yeah, well, and the one person they are like that hasn't died at that point is the 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 evil murderer. Like no one, no one is at risk that I'm concerned. I mean,
0: for. I suppose, but like it's you can still put yourself in his shoes. Oh yeah, because like, he's, he's a very likable serial killer, right? Uh, he's <laughs> he's funny, and you know it's it's very much turned on its head for him you know he was the hunter becomes the hunted but like then he sees all of these people dead around him and all of these like sexy girls transforming monstrously into great puppetry werewolves yeah and like you know that his end is not gonna be pleasant yeah so like in that sense i think it is it is pretty uh effective horror oh
2: very effective Um, i mean i will i'll definitely agree with you on that
0: yeah, one of my perfect,
1: favorite yeah. things about that scene too is the attention to little details. Uh, in the scene or in the story before it, with the trick or treaters, they stop at the uh, drunk mom's house oh, where she's a oh, sexy yeah. cat, right. and in the background you see this guy. I think it was supposed to be the gym teacher, the coach, yeah. the coach, yeah, in a hot dog outfit. Like uh, fucking
0: a pig. Fucking
1: a pig, someone in a pig costume. And right at the end, uh when, uh you know,
0: Dylan Amongst Baker's nerds, character
1: yeah. is dying, uh you see a dude in a hot dog costume. costume, like, roll out. Yeah, someone's dragging <laughs> a the hot
0: dog costume. Yeah, That's I just, love that. And, yeah, a nice little nod to something previous. A good callback. Yeah, no, I liked that a lot. Okay, well, let's talk about the last one, and then we'll wrap it up with the conclusion yeah. of the film. And
2: one final point on that last arc too oh, sure. like, that I, that I love is that the the twist on the twist of them not being vampires like, is that they are all teen wolves. and and so e- even then when it subverts your expectation, it's still like, pulling from you know like a direct source with like teen Wolf yeah like, it's, it's great it's still
1: properly campy yeah you know yeah
0: for sure no it's great I I really like that mm-hmm. that sequence yeah and like
1: they they pushed the camp in the final scene final story to oh, yeah. 11 the the final story covers Brian Cox's character you know he's the, the old curmudgeon that lives next door to Bill, Dylan Baker that talks to him through the the fence. And this happens pretty much at the same time right. as that story. Um, but you start by having some trick-or-treaters come to his house and the door opens and this like these scary eyes appear in the darkness. Yeah, these like
0: glowing eyes and you hear like something growling.
2: Which is right out of uh the, the Halloween episode of Wishbone. Uh, and I, I was saying that to them. I was like, oh yeah, that reminds me of Wishbone. And you see, like, the, the kids run from the glowing eyes. And, uh, I, I was just, I was just happy because it reminded me of that, but I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't think it was a direct association until they reveal that it's the old man and he's put glowing eyes on his pet dog because he's an old curmudgeon. He doesn't want to deal with the kids.
1: Well, on top of that, he wanted the candy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, 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 stole yeah candy, he stole the candy. candy yeah.
2: Which is amazing. And uh, but you see that the dog is the same breed as Wishbone, so it was again like a really nice homage to that. Yeah. Like just made which my childhood like, self which, so uh, happy. Yeah, which
0: is like a. a like an extreme deep cut yeah i was yeah. gonna say like i only watched wishbone as a kid because i didn't have cable so i watched Same. pbs and i like i loved wishbone but i yeah wishbone's I, amazing i honestly like wonder how many people even our age like would really remember wishbone mm-hmm. if if you you know oh yeah talk to the if you tried talking to them about well, it and i was
2: i was saying to you guys too and I, and I think it's it's really relevant to this film that wishbone was my first real key example of subverting expectation in a narrative like that Halloween episode ends with the kids seeing spooky eyes at the top of the stairs and then it's revealed that it's a cat and then the kids are like oh cool it's not a spooky ghost and they leave and the cat leaves and the camera hangs on the stairs for a second, and then you see two red eyes. And it goes to credits. And as a child, like, it terrified me. And it was, again, my first example of subverting expectation. And how beautiful is it this movie, like, that is all about that pays homage to that, yeah. that moment.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and it is also, like, right after that when, you know, Brian Cox is eating their candy and he's, like, flipping through you know, the TV channels and there's all these like horror movies and stuff on. And one of them that he flips past is Scooby-Doo on zombie Island. Yeah. Like we talked about earlier. Uh, that Uh I thought that was also so great, a, yeah. a really nice little yeah. homage um, to on those homages. Well,
1: and it kind of ties to all of the framing narrative back around uh in a lot of ways, because you, this is where, you know, the treat boy from the beginning is the uh, is the main the, villain yeah, again. old treat boy. And, it kind of wraps it around because the idea of tricking uh the uh the trick or treaters for their treats gets you tricked is is the reason yeah the the treat boy comes to begin with essentially mm-hmm. To uh, wreak havoc on him, well, just, he just—he comes for anyone who breaks tradition. Exactly, you know, it—it it has this idea of tradition. He is the Halloween and antibody and punishment for breaking. Right, from that. and
0: we have—he's the only thing up to this point that has not been explained because we've seen him in every single other story before this you know he's he comes to dylan baker's door with the other kids to trick-or-treat in the first one then in the second one when the girl escapes and she goes you know back up the elevator he is at the top of the elevator there and then in the woods uh f you know as they're killing brian cox it pans up and he's sitting on a log watching the whole thing so like He's been throughout this movie, but has been a mystery up until now when he becomes the actual villain. And that that whole scene with Brian Cox is, like, this whole sequence gives me a lot of, like, Home Alone vibes a little bit. <laughs> not not in, so much in the sense that, like, they're setting up traps, but also kinda you know, like, Treat Boy attacks him with, like, a candy bar that has, like, a box cutter in it. Like, oh, yeah. he, like it's, Delightful. like, a, a little knife. And then... Yeah, that, uh, that's
2: his, like, bladed hands. That's that's his, like, machete. Yeah, he has, into a, the, has a
1: candy bar with a fucking box the cutter The idea in it. of being careful about you know, candy with razor blades in it. Right, whatever. exactly.
0: And, you know, then later when Brian Cox, like, falls down the stairs, because the stairs are covered in candy and more razor blades and, <laughs> and glass. Yeah. You know, like, the whole thing just, like, gave me a, a very Home Alone, <laughs> oh, yeah. Home Alone vibe. Brian Cox's
2: facial reactions for everything are just so delightful like the, the the movie is just laughing well it's, well, and the it's hilarious
0: because like treat boy is like i mean it's obviously a child in a costume you know like it's a it's a little kid yeah. um and just like this little tiny demon child, like just wreaking havoc with Brian Cox, and like jumping on his back from the ceiling, and like <laughs> wrestling around with him, like it's it's funny, it, it's it's kind of cute. It's hilarious, and I will say, like as as comedic as it is, that
2: sequence to me, I was I was think I was saying it earlier that that sequence I, I found to be the most. Um, Tension built the most. Um, really? Like, you think yeah, so? I think so. Like it had like a lot of really nice like slow shots of the like the empty stairs and the uh, yeah. I, I and the especially like the lighting in those sequences. It was a lot. It was a lot like darker. Um, yeah, I, I found I found that sequence to be the visually at least to be the... See for
0: me that one felt the most generic of yeah, all of them. That's probably It feels it feels the like it still does things to subvert expectations, but it feels the most like uh like a standard run of the mill horror. Movie. It's the
1: weakest of the stories in, for me. I at think least. so. I think so too. Um, for me, I, just it, because really... it doesn't have quite enough time to flesh itself out too much. Mm-hmm.
0: I think uh, maybe "weakest" is the wrong word. It's definitely the simplest. Yeah, do I, think... I, I do think like I don't think it's it's bad, but I do think that in comparison to the other three, it is it is a bit weaker.
2: It's definitely yeah. It's definitely not nuanced or complex, but I think like it's. It's, it does what it's it not bad. To do. Yeah. It's it's so good. Exactly.
1: But yeah, it's
0: it well yeah, and like it's it, my
1: least favorite of the bunch. I, oh um yeah, I agree, but yeah. like what it does, it does really well. Yeah. And I think it's the most over the top of the bunch. And in a lot of ways, it's one of the most yes. fun of the bunch. Yeah. Um definitely. just because you have this very larger than life character you know jumping around and causing havoc on the ceiling well, and,
2: and like, having when, a razor blade candy bar and when yeah.
0: he like rips the the mask like the the uh like sack the burlap sack mask off and it's revealed that treat boy under his mask has like a a, a literal pumpkin head with, like, a skeleton's face, kind of. I thought of. that was really well designed, uh, too. No, it's like, I, I the first time great. I saw this oh, movie,
1: yeah. I thought it was
2: actually well, kind of spooky. The animatronics in his face are fantastic. Like, you get, like, a lot of, like, the eyebrow and lip movements. It's very ex- yeah. it's very
0: expressive.
2: Nose twitches and the, the eyelids are are pretty dramatic. Like, yeah, it's great puppetry. Like, really unexpectedly good puppetry. And I love
0: puppetry. Yeah, no, it, it looks great, and to, you know, then Brian Cox, like, shoots him a bunch with the shotgun and, like, blows one of his arms off. And it's all pumpkin bits. Yeah, it's all pumpkin bits, and... Is like laying in the corner, and you're like, okay, it's he. Brian Cox thinks it's yeah. dead, and he does his job
2: right. Like he he does check the boxes. He double taps
0: it like immediately. Tri- yeah, yeah, he triple taps it. Yeah, yeah, he shoots it three times.
2: Yeah. Uh, because they were kind of playing it up to think like he's gonna walk down the hallway, yeah. and before he shoots it, he's gonna get attacked, and he doesn't. He's smart. He just fucking keeps shooting into it. Like, well, yeah, the third, third shot, good.
0: he even shoots off, shoots off the off its hand. arm. Yeah, because yeah. then the hand shortly thereafter. Takes on a life of its own and comes back after him. Yeah. Unplugs which,
2: the the phone line. Unplugs, before he can yeah, call unplugs the phone and,
0: line. Yeah. Um, very, very much like Evil Dead 2. Yes. Yeah. Um <clears throat> paying more homage to other things. And then when it attaches reattaches itself to to treat boy's body, and what oh, what does he say? What's his reaction to that that we all commented on that was so good? He has a line, it's just like Oh no! Or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like oh. No. <laughs> Which is the the proper response. But yeah. you know, yeah. at the same time it's so it's so run of the mill. It's yeah, a- well
2: it's it's you can just hear the undertone under it like uh beneath his voice where he's just saying like, God damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he's, he's like he's more perturbed by it. Like he knows he's gonna die, but even then as like a y old man, he's more just displeased than he is like terrified or angry. I think that's what I love about the whole sequence is that he never There are a few times where he looks scared, but he's never, like, you never, like, you never get the vibe that he's, like, panicked. He's just kind of like, ah, fuck. You know, I'm gonna die now. God damn it. And that's really amusing. Yeah.
0: And I, I love how the Treat Boy's new weapon after that is he's got, like, one of those big, round, uh... Lollipops. Comedically large lollipops, and he takes like a big bite out of it, and it is in like a sickle shape, like a serrated sickle shape, and Brian Cox is lying on the floor, and Treat Boy is coming over to him, and he raises up the, the lollipop, and he brings it down... And then you see that he's just stabbed the candy bar that's, like, resting on Brian Cox's chest, he, like, picks it up and then turns around and walks away. Like, he wasn't actually trying to kill him. He was just, like, wreaking general havoc. Just teaching him a lesson to not trick kids. Now that he had his treat, he can go away. Right, exactly. He fed... He fed the treat boy. Um, And then it's revealed that Brian Cox was the the bus driver Mm -hmm. who drove the bus into the quarry 30 years prior. Yeah.
1: Well, and the scene after that, you get... To see Brian Cox with a bit of a change of heart. He's in, like, he's, he's like, all bandaged up. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, opens the door for trick or treaters and gives them a huge handful of candy. Huge, yeah. One of them comments that he looks like a mummy. He's like, great
0: mummy costume, <laughs> mister. And he's just, like, all bandaged up from this battle he's just had. Yeah, and he's, like, just, like,
2: giving these kids candy out of, like, traditional fear that they, like, the treat boy will come he back. He pulls
0: out of it out of
1: his, uh, like, the sling that is our
0: just has a bunch of candy in there, and then it ties up very nicely with someone knocking on his door again, and he answers it, and it's all the zombie children from the bus who have uh, come to take their vengeance on him after thirty years, and cut to credits. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does a really fucking fantastic job of like all of these stories being standalone but still interconnected in a way that, that feels cohesive.
2: Well, it took me the whole podcast to, like, find the word I was looking for, but I finally found it, and the movie's a Halloween allegory.
0: A allegory. Yeah! Uh, nice. <laughs> this is a fucking great Halloween movie. Um, if you are listening to this episode on Halloween and you need something fun tonight, To watch to get you in the mood while you wait for trick-or-treaters to come to your door before you go out and get totally blasted like you should um go meet some werewolves go meet some werewolves yeah watch this one this is a, this is a fucking great movie. It's uh it really perfectly encapsulates what Halloween is all about and why it's fun and why it's scary. And uh, it's only eighty minutes, you know, like yeah.
1: you can fit it into your schedule even if you have Halloween plans. Like it's, like,
0: it, it's weird to say, but in a lot of ways, I think that for this time of year trick or treat is a uh, is a very good feel good movie if if you know what i mean oh yeah again the, the movie's laughing with you yeah it's it's very campy it's fun it's full of jokes but it it still like revels in its craft and in in it in that takes itself, you know, the proper amount of seriously.
1: Yeah, it captures the spirit of Halloween yeah, from really a production well. standpoint.
2: Like it's it takes itself very seriously.
0: Yeah, like it's it's not a throwaway. Like it wants to be fun and funny, but it's you know, it's still a a work of artifice. Yeah, you know? and it's
2: it's got a great budget, and it's very well utilized.
0: The
1: sound design is really good. The score is surprisingly good. <laughs> it's just really well done. It captures that fun mood of Halloween, yeah. you know, where spooks are happening. Spooky chills and thrills. But, like, it's all in good fun at the end of the day. Yeah,
0: it's, you know, it. I think it it can provide that kind of same feeling as, like, settling down and, and on Halloween night to watch like old Vincent Price Halloween specials or something, you know, like it's, it's campy, but you know, it's serious and it's fun. And it's just a, a really, a really great, uh, way to capture the the spirit of Halloween, which yeah. we've said ad nauseum at and this And I, I think that's
1: why the, you know, ideas of tradition in the movie work so well, because the core, you know, ethos is, of the movie is to capture that, you know, right. tradition and feel of trick-or-treating and Halloween as a whole. Well, speaking of uh, talking about how great this movie is, ad
0: nauseum, shall we get to ratings? Yes. Yeah. Um, ben, you wanted to do ratings slightly differently for this. You want to rate each of the... Yeah, uh, we'll just go through really quick. Let's just
1: go through each one and rate it, and then we can talk about it at the end as a whole, each one of us.
0: Well, what I was thinking is we can each go down the line and give our ratings for each of the four, and then I can take an average of those four for each of us. Okay, sure. to, To give us you know, each a rating and then I'll average those numbers out at the end. So why don't you start then? Sure.
1: Uh, so we'll start with this creepy dad. Creepy Dylan Baker. Yeah. Uh,
0: do we wanna do we wanna include the, the
2: opening arc?
1: I you know what, should. I think we'll count that in the treat boy one. Because it is the. uh, the, the It's the the culmination. Yeah, it's the rapper. It's the rapper story. The candy rapper story. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I think this one's excellent. Dylan Baker is incredible, as always. Um, It really does a good job of starting light and then immediately subverting your expectations and going really dark with it. You know, you start with this almost like after school special scene where he's talking to the kid on the steps and like. It just goes awry when the kids start puking blood and chocolate. Right. And that kind of captures the, the tone of the movie for the rest of it. And uh, I think the interactions between him and the kid are really great. And the ac- interactions between him and uh brian cox are really great all in the the backyard it does a great job setting up the rest of the movie really well and subverting your expectations with that final bit um i would give this a five okay. out of five i think this is a nearly perfect uh anthology bit and it's one of my favorite anthology shorts out of any uh halloween or horror anthology movies
0: Okay. Um, What would you give the Zombie Kids one after that?
1: Um, I would... uh, I really like that one. I think uh, the Zombie Kids are a really good little bit of exposition in there, but it does a good job of adding details that informs the rest of the stories really well. Um, I like the idea of... It's almost like a Boy Who Cries Wolf story Mm -hmm. in a way. You know, they... They do a bad thing and prank this mentally handicapped person and that kind of bites them in the butt in the end. It's probably the longest of the, the four, I think. I guess so, um, yeah. But I think it's well done. I would give this a four and a half out of five.
0: Uh, now the uh, the werewolf girls. I would uh, give that one. The
1: werewolf girls. Uh, I think this one as well plays up the idea of tradition really well with, you know, the the virgin-slut kind of dichotomy idea that's played to death in horror movies and kind of turning it on its head in a lot of ways. And uh, as well, you you get bait and switched by Dylan Baker's vampire character coming in and seeming like the true villain of the story. And then that all gets flipped on its head. Um, I thought the werewolf effects were pretty incredible. Um, it definitely caught me off guard the first time I saw it. Yeah, and I I love how they put in details in it. You know, little things that you might not catch the first time, but, you know, really play into rewatching and it kind of interconnects everything and builds the world well. I would give this a four and a half as well. Um, I think it's really well done. Um,
0: yeah. And last but not least brian cox and treat boy
1: the brian cox treat boy story is really fun um brian cox as always is incredible i think the effects of that one are some of the best in the movie um it's a lot of fun it's the most over at the top of the bunch it's probably the least fleshed out of all of them which is my biggest problem with it that being said i think all anthology movies, the the rapper story for all of them is all, almost always the weakest. True. of the bunch, you know, because you have to, you know, bow tie everything. But it's still a lot of fun, and I think the uh, the pumpkin head effect is really well done and kind of creepy. Actually, it's kind it's it's very effective. Um, I would give this one a four.
0: All right, well. That means that for you as a whole the movie would have an average rating of 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, cards. and I think that's that the perfect right. rating
1: for it because I think this is this is one of my favorite horror anthology movies. It's one of my favorite Halloween time movies. Mm-hmm. And unlike a lot of, you know, other Halloween movies, it works to directly capture the spirit of Halloween in a lot of ways that other horror movies don't strive for um so i think in that respect it's really well done i it's great that he followed this up with krampus and i'm excited to see what holiday he goes for next right. michael doherty
0: all right Cleve, let's uh run
2: through your ratings okay i'm gonna uh just sort of give a general rundown i think uh any issues that i had with individual plot lines uh were pretty fundamental to the others uh for instance the 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 only story that i would give a rating under five out of five for would probably be the i guess it's the second story with the school bus and the kids i was a little a little bored by the exposition but i think it was all fundamental and necessary and it was done well any any issues i had with this movie uh were in the moment and were very quickly subverted by really solid like plot point like left turns so i Oh, like, honestly, yeah, like, uh, that's why, like, I'm having trouble, like, rating them individually, because, like, I, I enjoyed all of them well enough, and any problems I had with them were resolved by how they correlated.
0: So, well, you, you I, I would say... You said you would give the other three a five out of five. Yeah. That, so, let's, so what would you rate the, the school bus one um, out of five? Four out of five. Four out of five? Yeah. I
2: would say, like, yeah, under the scope of cinema as a whole, I would would give this movie a 4 out of 5, but under the scope of horror films and Halloween-themed movies, it's a 5 out of 5. It's fantastic.
0: If you average out your ratings, that'll give you a rounded up rating of 4.8 out of 5 pods, which I think is, you know, still pretty damn strong. Um, I'm not, I think Ben pretty well encapsulated what works about all of the stories individually. So I'm just going to go. I didn't want to
2: rehash that. Yeah, so I'm
0: just going to go, I'm just going to go through my ratings. The Dylan Baker one, I would definitely give a five out of five. That one's my favorite and it's really fun. Uh, The school bus one, I think I would give a four out of five. Um, Still pretty strong, but uh, that Dylan Baker one at the beginning is kind of hard to follow up, I think. Um, the, The Werewolf Girls, I would give a strong four and a half out of five. I guess the last one, Treat Boy, is the one that I still enjoy, but works the least well for me. Um, For reasons that I've already sort of talked about, uh, I think I would give that one a uh, a 3.5 out of 5, all told. So overall, uh, I would give Trick or Treat a 4.3 out of 5 pods. A really fucking great movie for this time of year. Really fun. Something that, uh, now that I've seen a second time, uh, I appreciate it even more than the first time I saw it who knows i might want to make a halloween tradition out of watching this movie because uh it's fun so let me give us an overall average i gotta put that so
1: 4.75 4.25 and 4.5 that would be four and a half yeah yeah it's gonna be 4.5 okay cool four and and a half half out of five i think that's a perfect rating for it because i think this is gonna be a classic down the line i think this is a really well done anthology Mm -hmm. movie
2: and again too like out of like, the scope of cinema, I would say, like, a 4.5, but again, for Halloween movies, 5 out of 5 for me.
0: Yeah, like... it's it definitely, I think, is more fun this time of year than watching it uh, any other time of year. Still a good film anytime you watch it, but, like, watching it during this season gives something a little special to I mean, it. I don't you know? know if,
2: like, it's as thrilling, chilling, and terrifying as it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown, but man, it comes close.
0: Nothing will ever be that truly viscerally horrifying. Charlie Brown is an asshole. (laughs) Charlie Brown is an asshole. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this episode. Next week, we're doing Suspiria? I believe so,
1: unless it doesn't show anywhere near us. Yeah, but most likely.
0: Ten- tentatively, uh, next next week we're going to be doing an original versus remake of uh, *Suspiria*. Of course, covering the uh, original Dario Argento and then the the new one that just came out. Um, I have. Basically, no expectations for this new Suspiria movie. I have not kept up with it too much outside of what we talked about uh, several months ago. Um, so, we'll... well, personally, I've never heard of any of those things. So, You've never heard of like Suspiria? Fun, ever. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, hopefully the new one will be in a theater near us. I know it's gotten somewhat of a limited theatrical release. So I could see it
1: showing up at Carolina. Yeah, I could see that too.
0: So hopefully we'll be able to find somewhere to watch it. Uh, If we can't, then we'll, be doing something different. Fingers crossed. So yeah, tentatively tune back next week for uh an original versus remake of uh Susperia. If you like the show, take uh How few, could you not? Yeah, how could you not? Yeah, We're, fuck you if you uh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. From the horse's mouth. Yeah. Why are you still listening if you don't like it? Um, You're like well into the podcast at this point. <laughs> take take a take a few seconds out of your spooky, scary Halloween day to leave us a spooky, scary Halloween review and a spooky, scary Halloween rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, follow our spooky, scary Twitter account at uh, podpeoplepod on Twitter um, for updates and stuff and previews of what we're doing next, I guess. <laughs> follow us on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash podpeoplepod. Get boxed. Get boxed for a list of all of the films we've talked about on the shows with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Um, Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome for spooky, scary tweets all year round. And I'm at Mr. Sheets uh, if you want some dank memes. Cleb. And
2: I'm in a bunker in the middle of uh, West Texas. You can't find me. You never will. Uh, don't, don't look for the clues.
0: But where can they find your artwork?
2: Uh, they can find it on my art station, uh, under Cleveland Mosier. Uh, you can also occasionally find me tweeting for the Light Arc Studio Twitter account. Uh, always feel free to tune in there, there's some fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, if you want to check out my work and all my cool, spooky, scary creatures I'm painting this time of year, yeah, check out my art station.
0: I would recommend that. There's a lot of really good work on there. Oh, thank you. Cleveland's a, a master of his craft. Um, oh, you're going to make me blush. craft o um, <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, thank you, as always, for listening to the show. We hope you're having a great Halloween, or if you're listening to this after Halloween, that you did the best holiday of the year justice And uh, we'll be back at you next week with another review of something. So until then, stay scared and check your candy for razor blades. I said that last week, but it's Halloween. I'm saying it again. And it's more thematically relevant with trick or treat. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Fuck it. It's Halloween. Bye.
2: (gasps) Bye. Bye.